Hello, dearest of the dearest listeners. It's our last reading club of the year. It's Tuesday, the 14th of December. I'm Alex Hockley. I'm here with George Hoare and Philip Cunliffe as usual. And we're here to discuss Eva Luz's Cold Intimacies, The Making of Emotional Capitalism. One way to just introduce the book is that there's this structuring metaphor, a sort of dichotomy that runs throughout the book between cold and hard and warm and soft. And the book is basically about how the cold and hard penetrates the warm and soft and vice versa. Um, but lest you get too aroused, I'm going to talk a little bit about who Eva Luz, the author, is. Uh, Eva Luz was born in Morocco and then moved to France where she did her studies. Uh, she now teaches at the Hebrew University uh, in Israel. She's a sociologist, but uh, also studied uh, communication and cultural studies. Uh, she delivered the Adorno lectures at uh, the Institute for Social Research in Frankfurt. And actually, this book here is based on those lectures. It's an edited version of those lectures. So it's in three parts, but uh, they actually do form a, a cohesive whole. She's also, I mean, she's author of a number of other books, about a dozen books. Um, the first one, and actually I think it's her first book, and one which I read way back when I was doing my master's, uh, studying the sociology of consumption. It's called Consuming the Romantic Utopia. And it's a book kind of about enchantment, about how um, people throw themselves into consumerism and how consumerism sells you uh, these fantasies and dreams. And what's interesting about this book, and she kind of refers to this or suggests it um, in, in the, throughout the book, is that this is kind of about disenchantment, about something a bit more cynical and hard uh, rather than the kind of... Uh, you know, brightly lit, uh, colorful world of consumerism. Um, and I'll get on to what exactly that, that means, and we'll discuss this as we go through. Um, so as I said, these are three lectures here. Um, and just to tell you what each uh, separate lecture or each chapter kind of refers to, the first one uh, explains how this new ethos of emotional capitalism has emerged. And according to Alouz, it emerges through a combination of the role that psychology has played in changing uh, popular conceptions of the self, the role that feminism has played in um, maybe feminizing the public sphere and also in its claims about rights and equality, and the underlying imperative of productivity and how all these things have these three elements have fused to form this emotional capitalism. The second uh, lecture is about how the ethos of self-help on the one hand and the narrative of suffering, uh, these two things seem quite opposed to one another, but how they actually flow together and that they're pretty constitutive of contemporary culture. So self-help, you know, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, working on yourself, and this other narrative of suffering, which is kind of about victimhood. And they seem kind of different. They seem even opposed to one another, but they kind of go together. Um, again, more on that in uh, just a bit as we go through this. And then the third uh, chapter is probably the most concrete in, insofar as it talks about a tangible, specific, concrete social sphere, which is uh, romance, dating, uh, and maybe, you know, kind of family life. And it, Eva Luz explores how romantic life has been transformed by the internet. Again, to return to that cold and hard versus warm and soft thing, it's about how the cold and hard has intruded into the world of the warm and soft but how also the warm and soft has come to shape or color uh, the cold and hard world of public life, of uh, capitalism and production. One final thing uh, about the book. Um, the book, I guess, one way to put it is uh, to talk about it in terms of rationalization. Now, what is rationalization? I'm just going to read from the book so that we maybe have this under our belts, um, whether you've read the book or especially if you haven't. Um, so we can just phrasing, be on the same. Alex, phrasing. What, so what do you many, mean? So many matter under no. our belts, you know. Oh, so uh, yeah, oh, that's true. Below the belt. Yeah, no, good, good. Um, 
yeah, just just pick me up on these as we go through because it's I'm sure it's going to be interspersed throughout. It will penetrate my thought quite deeply. Uh, phrasing, anyway, phrasing. Rationalization includes five components, says Zeluz. The calculated use of means, the use of more effective means, choosing on a rational basis, that is on the basis of knowledge and education, making general value principles guide one's life, and finally, unifying the previous four components in a rational methodological lifestyle. Now, that all sounds kind of, uh, well, very instrumental, which is what this is about. But, Ilu says, rationalization has an additional important meaning. It is the process of expansion of formal systems of knowledge, which in turn lead to an intellectualization of everyday life. Now, what does this mean? Now, she gives an example shortly after this, uh, this, this uh, section in, in uh, page 32. Um, where she talks about in relation to relationships and dating, women carefully take themselves as objects of scrutiny, control their emotions, assess choices, and choose their preferred course of action. Uh, now, you might want to uh, cast your mind back to a three articles which we did uh, a little while ago where we talked about, uh, I think it was Phil's article, which he brought one on um, dating and female dating strategy which really was about rationalization, which is this world of romance about the coup de foudre, you know, love at first sight moment, which suddenly has now been transformed into this rational, calculated thing. And again, this is where that warm and soft thing encounters that cold and hard thing. Um, and this is, again, phrasing. The thing that, that phrasing uh, that runs throughout uh, the episode. Right. Two quick things before we actually uh, begin, and I bring in Phil and George to say something other than just phrasing. Uh, we have other episodes which you might want to refer to maybe after listening to this, which touch on similar ground. Uh, we have a reading club, which we did a little bit earlier this year on the first chapter of uh, Zaretsky's Political Freud, which is about psychoanalysis and the spirit of capitalism. Uh, that book and that, uh, well, that chapter that we read is a potentially more positive reading of how psycho psychoanalysis has transformed modern culture, how psychoanalysis informed, for example, um, black liberation movements in the 1920s, um, but also about how changes in psychology can explain transformations in capitalist culture and ideology. So that's a really important touch point. We'll maybe refer back to it as we go along here today as well. Uh, another one, Calibunga series, obviously, about how hippie ethics and yuppie practice have somehow fused. Um, this is, again, kind of things which seem contradictory, uh, which don't flow together, but which act in actual fact are um, two important touchstones of contemporary capitalist culture. Uh, another one very explicitly, back to episode 50, Anna Katchin was on, uh, and we talked about modern dating and precisely this sort of aspects of, of rationalization that uh, that have transformed romance or maybe even de-romantified romance. Um, and that's really good. I just think Anna Katchin's very good and critical on this stuff. Um, so that's a good one to refer back to. Uh, and finally, uh, an episode which has just come out today, which is our, which is this, to say Tuesday, the 14th of December, which uh, is a recording of mine and George's discussion with Catherine Liu about the PMC, which was hosted by University of California, Irvine, uh, the Humanities Center there. And uh, so we've republished that as a, as a podcast, but that was done as a webinar. And in that, Catherine talked about the role that I'd divulging personal trauma plays in creating an identification with famous people or powerful people. You know, so Oprah, who's a billionaire or a millionaire, I don't know, uh, goes on about her own personal trauma and she's then seen as the same as you. And that equalizing effect that um, that kind of uh, the publicizing of intimacy has or, or the taking of intimacy into the public sphere um, is very important and something, again, we're going to talk about. 
one last thing, I'm really sorry, I'm carrying on too long. But um, before we begin, you may have seen we're carrying out a listener survey, and it's our first one. And we'd especially like to ask you Reading Club subscribers, uh, if you wouldn't mind taking five or 10 minutes to fill it out, it would be fantastic if you would. Uh, the link is available on Patreon, and it's also uh, here in the show notes to this episode. Basically, what we want to do, we want to understand uh, the politics of you, the listeners, uh, and maybe also use it as a way to put the finger in the air to understand the political climate. How have you uh, responded to the kind of changes at the end of the end of history that we discuss on this podcast? But also, we want to see how we can improve. Um, so uh, contrary to some suggestions, some of you thought that maybe we're packing it in, and that's why we're doing the survey. But that's not at all true. Uh, we just want to see how we can do what we already do and do it better. Um, and so it's things like, okay, do you think the episodes that we do are too long or too short? You know, that's something that we can change. Uh, we're not going to change our overall approach or change our politics, obviously, but um, we can do things maybe a little bit differently. Or, for example, if there are issues that we haven't discussed and you think we should be focusing on, let us know. So that's uh, all available, you know, to do on the survey. And we'd especially like to hear from you guys the Reading Club subscribers. Um, we're coming back next year with a new and improved reading list for 2022. It's going to be a little bit different, a little bit more um, serious, I guess, um, but a little bit more exciting than what we've done up till now. We're really excited about it. But again, if you think that there's something that we should be focusing on or ways that we could do this that would make the Reading Club better listening, easier listening, or however uh, you'd like to think about it, then again, let us know via the survey. So yeah, it'd be great if you fill that out. Thank you very much. Serious, serious and exciting, Alex. Serious, well, exactly. It's not You're just like... Really seriously exciting. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, turn to, let's turn to the matter at hand to this book. So um, we're going to start with something that I already referred to, which is that Illuse accounts for the emergence of emotional capitalism by referring to a confluence, and very much not a conspiracy, and this is important, but a confluence of, on the one hand, psychology and the role that psychology has played in um, corporations, in the state, and so on, and feminism, especially uh, the, the feminism of the 1970s onwards. So... I found it sort of convincing, and it you know plays into a little bit of what uh, uh, Zaretsky describes, in which we discussed in a previous reading club. But I also find it maybe too idealistic, right? That like what these guys just put these ideas out into the public sphere and it massively transforms capitalism. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be useful to just start off a little bit by you know what what do we mean by emotional capitalism and what are the what are the kind of component parts. So I would I would say, and I don't think she actually defines it like this, but this is this is my my take on it that you sort of have these two different processes happening at the same time. On the one hand, you have basically what you referred to a bit already, Alex, in terms of rationalization. So basically bringing reason into love, into the management of emotions. I'm sure we're going to get onto onto that. But at the same time, you have also this idea of the emotional aspects of particularly economic life, and I think this is. You know, it's kind of like a classic, a development of some classic sociological theories, or this is the way that she she frames it, that modernity can be understood in terms of the way emotions are organized and put into economic and social um, practice. So, you know, Weber talks about the Protestant ethic and anxiety. Marx talks about alienation as the classic kind of modern emotion, that numbness. Zimmel talks about the metropolitan kind of emotion as nervousness and feeling blasé at the same time. And then Durkheim talks about solidarity in the, the sorts of social structures which, which create a feeling of likeness with, with fellow citizens. So I think what I would say is really interesting about this book is 
it kind of brings these two things together and says, well, there's always been a, a concern or an understanding of the emotional aspects of economic life. But at the same time, we are now uh, very much in a situation where our intimate relationships, you know, need to be managed, need to be rationalized. Um, and yeah, I think bringing those two things together is interesting. I mean, I can, I can, I, I sort of disagree with the emphasis that you put on that. I think that the corporate psychologists are the, are the ones who are really, who are really driving this. I thought that was a really brilliant analysis of like how these uh, kind of <clears throat> the, the corporate strategists of you know of, of 20th century american corporations particularly in, uh, required certain forms of self-understanding communication and emotional management as what defines a good worker and particularly a good manager so i think that seems to me where the the, the real thrust of the, the change comes from hey there you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons if you'd like to join us and gain access to around two patreon exclusive episodes a month please go to patreon.com slash We'd love to have you.